podcast. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. We're both in the United States, and I'm Saudi American and a lesbian. And I'm bi, trans, and of Lebanese descent. Yes, and we have an awesome guest, Abdullah, um, who has been on the Arabic side of the podcast, and he's being really generous and doing this again in English. So, hi, Abdullah. Thank you for being here. Hi, Ali, and hi, Ali. Uh, I'm uh, very happy to join you again. You're so... becoming a podcast celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> I, ho- I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so can you, like, I guess, introduce yourself, um, tell the listeners where you're from, where you are right now? Uh, sure. Well, uh, my name is uh, Abdullah. Uh, I come from Oman, uh, from the capital, Muscat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the moment, I live uh, in Germany in a small city called Zabrukim. And uh, this city is close to Luxembourg and uh, France as well, by the borders. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, um, I'm 37 years old. Uh, I come from a large family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, both of my parents married twice. Uh-huh. So in total, I have 18 siblings. Oh my God. I thought uh, my family and... was big. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And wow. Like, I'm in the middle at the moment. Uh, nine older. I have nine older siblings and nine younger ones. Whoa, right in the middle. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, sounds familiar. I, I, I also come from a very large family. But not okay. that many siblings. Not that many. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And hey, finally somebody else in the 37 club. Oh, yeah. At least 37 <laughs> yeah. as well. So, okay, um, great. Great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, how long ago did you move to Germany? Uh, I moved to Germany November 2015. Okay. Pretty, not uh, very long ago. Okay. Yeah, I think almost three years now. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you? Uh, did your family? Any of your family come with you? Uh, no, I actually came alone to Germany. Okay. And uh, uh, it was not my intention actually to move or migrate. Yeah. I was uh, I was coming for a visit uh, to attend a conference in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during that time, um, as maybe you know, uh, I was outed uh, to my family, and uh, oh, it was no. not safe to go back uh, to Oman. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Did so, someone yeah. someone told like someone told your family? Um, in, in in a way, yes, and the other way was uh, I. While uh, I was in Europe, before going to Germany, I was in France, and I had an opportunity to talk about uh, my work as an activist and uh, the LGBT community in Oman. Um, So I was really happy to take that opportunity, as I don't think anybody did that in a sort of not public, maybe public forum or a a very well-known radio station. And they they broadcast in Arabic, uh, although it's a French radio station. Hmm. Uh, I I don't want to give their name uh, because um, when when I confronted the radio station uh, about what uh, the results of the interview, they basically said it's my fault. 
oh. because uh, when I did the interview with them, we both agreed, the radio station and myself, that they will change my voice. Oh, no. My name was not, of course, was not mentioned. Right. And we agreed that my voice will be changed. Uh, however, uh, the interview was broadcast October 27th in Oman. Uh-huh. And uh, I was recognized, recognized by many of my friends. Oh, my God. And uh, later on in the evening, I started to get uh, messages from my family. Uh, particular, in particular, one of my uh, older sisters uh, conveying basically their disappointment and uh, that, you know, I have shamed them and it's no longer safe for me to go back and stay where you are. Uh, so, yeah, I was, I was in France on a holiday um, and then I was going to Germany for a conference, which was actually a conference for LGBT activists from the MENA region, Middle East and North Africa. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, and I sort of got stuck. Uh, I couldn't go back. What, was anyone in your family supportive or showed any sign of like, will stand by you or anything? Not really. Um, mm -hmm. Eventually, one of my sisters, uh, also older one, um, started talking with me and uh, she said, um, to me that uh, no matter what you believe in, no matter what, what you are or who you are, you remain my brother. Yes, so one person did that and she was and still is my contact Good. Uh, back, back to Oman. And uh, in our conversation when I was still thinking about whether should I apply for asylum or not in Germany, mm -hmm. uh, she also confirmed that it's better for me to stay away. Wow. Um, because um, my work as an activist uh, is uh, against the law in Oman, uh, mm -hmm. because uh, in the eye of the law in Oman, I'm seen as a promoting vice uh, and, uh, you know, promoting homosexuality and uh, it's against the culture and religion. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, I am also atheist. And mm -hmm. uh, leaving religion in Oman uh, is uh, punished by death. Yeah, it sounds like uh, it sounds very similar to Saudi Arabia. Would you say it's about the same level of strictness? I I, I never lived in Saudi Arabia, uh, but I don't think it's as as strict. Okay. Uh, I have I have a brother who lived there with his wife mm -hmm. uh, for maybe seven years. And uh, it, it, I mean, I would say uh, Omani, the Omani society is as conservative as the Saudis. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they are somehow maybe more flexible. Okay, yeah. Uh, like, for example, uh, as an Omani, as a an, as an Muslim, you can go to a bar and buy alcohol. Oh, okay. Yeah, nobody will come and like take you to, to jail yeah. as long as you drink inside the bar. But as a Muslim, whether you're Omani or not, you cannot purchase and take yeah. it to your house. Uh, but you can go to any bar uh, in the country and drink as much as you want. If you are, of course, caught driving uh, while drunk, then 
it's a, it's a, it's a, of course trouble and you will be taken to jail you will not be uh, what's the word uh, lashed uh-huh. uh, but you will be taken to jail mm. um, oh. yeah okay and and uh, like uh, sex workers in Oman also exist yeah and they go on and off sometimes they're very visible sometimes they you don't see them and uh, so it varies. I mean, I, sometimes I say to my friends, uh, the Omani government practice uh, or enforce religion when it's convenient to them, rather than, you know, uniformly and justly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, well, I've, so... I've been in contact with, um, not to give any details on this podcast, but like with a Saudi sex worker. Um, mm. And it, it's it's interesting to hear about like how the scene really is there and it exists it's just so hidden so 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 hidden like no one it's not, you know yeah it's not visible yeah, yeah in oman um, in oman in in, in muscat uh, is is visible but outside it's a bit hard to to spot it oh okay yeah yeah Wow. Um, so how how has it been like um, adjusting to life in Germany? I mean, what's your experience been like? It's been uh, and still is uh, difficult. German people uh, are very friendly, which is against goes against the stereotype that mm-hmm. usually we hear. Yeah. Uh, they are actually very very friendly people. Uh, they try the best way they can to help and support you. Uh, in the same time, they are reserved uh, and distant, and depends also in the city you are in. So before I applied for asylum, I lived in Cologne for about six months, and uh, people in Cologne are extremely friendly, and I made friends very easily in in Cologne. And one of my best friends uh, is is uh, he lives in Cologne. Um, but when when I applied for asylum, I had to relocate. Unfortunately, it was not up to me to choose which city to live in. So I had to relocate, and I came uh, to uh, the federation I am in called Zarland, mm-hmm. and the capital is Zarbrücken. So I lived in a small town called Liebach, which has the refugee camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, I lived there for about six months. And during that time, because of my contact in Cologne, I made new contacts in Zabruken and sort of they, you know, tr- they tried to support me and help me and guide me through the process of the asylum. Yeah. Um, but it was very hard for me and still is uh, to make friends in the city. I, uh, I moved to the city, to Zabruken in particular, 2016 in November. And I only made one German friend, uh, and I have one uh, one friend from Syria, and uh, these two guys are my best friends uh, here in the city. Um, but um, I mean, I've, I've tried because because of my work as an activist, uh, I, uh, I, I I'm a member in one of the leading LGBT organization in Germany called uh, LSVD. Uh, and they have an office in, 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 in the city, uh, so I'm a member, and I go every, every now and then to their meetings. Uh, 
and through them I met other groups as well and other people and they are friendly in general um, but for some reason I couldn't connect with anybody English is not very common in my city uh, French is um, so when I meet someone who's German they would speak some English but uh, and my German is really terrible uh, it's improving but very very slowly yeah it's a hard um, it's hard the grammar is really hard uh, i would say it's as complicated as arabic in terms oh, of grammar wow, wow. yeah uh I, I mean i find it myself yeah. although like uh, 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 uh i see people around me like other refugees uh or non-german who like came the same time or came after me uh, they already are at very good level of speaking the language Mm-hmm. And I, I try really hard not to compare myself to them, um, but I question myself like how how did I manage to finish school and college back in my country uh, in a totally different language, not related to Arabic, and now I'm learning a language that's actually very related to uh, to English. They have the same root, but I'm really struggling to learn it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, it's it's not easy. I, I'm glad you try not to compare yourself or beat yourself up because like everyone has different circumstances. Maybe maybe they had more time to go to classes or something. And um, yeah, younger people tend to learn very quickly for languages. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently, by the age of 26, your brain doesn't absorb language as much. And I'm not, I'm not 26 yeah, uh... anymore. <laughs> oh my God, that's like, I, I feel hopeless about Arabic now because I, I started, started uh, recently. Uh, uh... <laughs> I think, you know, it, it, it varies. Uh, I, I do uh, believe it also varies to people. And yeah, yeah. I think because of my circumstances, um, I, I, uh, although I need the language desperately, in the same time, I cannot find the motivation to study the language. Yeah. Uh, and when I study, nothing, uh, I don't observe anything. My concentration is almost zero. One of, uh, now this is my third attempt of uh, learning the language and leave. And I, I hope to finish uh, with a B1 level. Yeah, you're in a class now, right? You started yes, a class? I, I awesome. just started, yeah, this week. And uh, it's a 400 hours programs, which would finish uh, in, in January. So I really hope to finish with level B1. So actually I can start applying for jobs. What is B1? What does that mean? I think it's maybe above intermediate. Oh, okay. But yeah, I, I, I really hope because the last two times, the last two programs I did, uh, um, the first one was 600 hours. And I, I was uh, at A1 level, which is a beginner. Okay. Then I did the second one. It was 300 hours and I improved, but not as much. So I was A2. Uh, so I guess I was like, okay, I am improving, not as fast as everybody else, but I am improving. So the, the thing is, I feel pressured. Uh, uh, there is there is an organization here. It's a government organization called the Job Center, 
and they take care uh, of the employed uh, people, whether they're German or, or migrants or refugees. So the job center, like they pay me a monthly salary and they pay for my flat and they pay for my school. So that's, that's you know, really great peace of mind. I don't have to worry about paying for these, all of these. Yeah. But at the same time, they question why you are not learning as fast as everybody else. You need to study. And they don't really care that, you know, you've been traumatized or, you know, that you have been outed. You find it hard to cope with this new culture. They don't care about these things. They want you to perform. That's what they only care about. Um, so I cannot, like, complain to them, like, you know, I, I lost all my life in my, my country. I was not planning to stay here. Um, I cannot go with, with that kind of uh, rant. Uh, I remember the first time I registered at the job center after my asylum got accepted, uh, when the guy was taking my information, realized that I was in Germany since 2015, his first question to me was, why don't I speak German? Why am I speaking only English and Arabic? How do you answer that? That's a really hard uh, thing to be asked. Yes, and mm -hmm. I actually... When I was in Cologne, I actually didn't have to speak German because I re most people spoke English. Okay. And the German, German friends I made, they speak English as well. So we only speak English. Uh, so, of course, I cannot tell him that I didn't have to. Um, so I only said uh, I, did, I couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, in the refugee camp, because of my age, I'm not eligible to go to school. If I am, I think, uh, younger than 25 then I automatically be enrolled in a school or something. So I told him I couldn't afford it and I couldn't do it. So then he moved on. Uh, yeah, so you, you meet sometimes these kind of people at the job center. Uh, and you know, the job center, it's not only with, towards uh, migrants or refugees, that's their attitude toward everybody. Uh, they are not the friendliest people and they tend to be mean or rude. And every time I like, I have to go. I have to prepare myself mentally and build this huge wall, so I will not be like offended. And um, if I have to go to the job center to do something, it takes me sometimes three, four days to move my ass, excuse my language, and go. Oh, you can because say whatever I... you want. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because I really don't want to deal with them. Yeah. I don't want to deal with them. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 37 years old, and uh, like I pride myself in, of being independent back in my country and build my own life by myself. Uh, and then came here, and I am invisible. Like nobody sees. Uh, even when I gave my CV uh, to the job center, which they asked for, like nothing. Old, uh, I've been working for 10 years back in Oman. Yeah. Nobody's impressed by what I've done. And it makes me feel like, so was that like waste of time, what I did in Oman? Like it's right. not acknowledged or seen. Yeah. And, um, we see that a lot in the U.S. too with um, immigrants and, um, and people. And foreign workers too. Yeah, people who have so many skills, qualifications, so much experience and it's like starting over yeah yeah uh, it's almost a joke here because they're like oh i was a uh, neurosurgeon in uh wherever but i'm a cab driver here so that, uh, 
it's hard to imagine how that feels because you know you have the knowledge and experience to do so much. Yeah. Uh, and when when people speak to me, uh, because all people I met here, they, they don't know me from Oman. Uh, so when they talk to me, most of the time, I feel they talk to me uh, in a sense that I know nothing, N not in a bad way, like they have good intention, but uh, they don't realize that actually I did most of what they said, and actually I do it really well, even sometimes better than them. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I try not to take it personally, but it's, it's really, really hard. And yeah. what happened to me and uh, is that I shut down. Yeah. And maybe that's one of the reasons that it's hard for me to make friends in this city. Um, because also I find myself explain why I came to Germany. And then I became, you know, the victim. Oh, poor Abdullah, he was outed. Oh, poor Abdullah. Uh, yeah. He cannot, he, he's finding it difficult to learn German. Oh, poor Abdullah. I've, uh, I've sort of, I, I shut down, I, I developed uh, panic attacks. Now I, I get panic attack attacks every now and then. Um, Understandable, because it's like, you want people to see you for the multi-dimensional person you are, not just like one aspect of you. Or, yeah, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not Abdullah the refugee uh, only. I, I like many, many, many things. Uh, and I, I think yeah. the main reason, because I find I'm not learning the language as fast as many people around me, I'm sort of stuck. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel some, I, I find some, um, I think the word uh, consolation. I don't know if I, I said it right. Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, you did. Okay, good. Uh, in, in my class now, because most of the students in my class, we are around 10. They, they've been in Germany like me for three years. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of them even 10 years. And they're still at my level in terms of the language. So, okay, I'm not the only one struggling. Uh, but people question, I guess, my intelligence because I speak English fluently. They find it strange how come I don't like uh, learn the la German as fast. Uh, but of course, my circumstances in learning English was totally different. I, I loved actually English language uh, in Oman, and I loved uh, studying and learning the language. And um, I was not pressured, I was doing it willingly. Here, I feel like I'm pushed uh, uh, to do it. So it's a bit different, uh, you know, situation for me. Uh, I mean, th there are a lot of similarities between the two languages, but for me to understand the grammar, I need more time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the grammar of German is very different from English. Um, all of the different, like the, the nominative, or, well, you have like all the genders, mm. masculine, feminine, and neutral words. Yes. Um, and the, uh, what is it? Data or dative, acquisitive, genitive. Yeah, nominative. like we don't deal with that stuff in English. It's not like that. So I mean, that's a whole different yeah. ball game, yes. I think. Um, just because maybe yeah. there are some cognates or some similar uh, sounding vocabulary, it's like I think, yeah. and also the syntax is so different. Um, mm. I don't know. And we are we are actually we are taught German in German. 
we are not taught German in Arabic or English. Uh -huh. So that's also another thing I was shocked when I started because I learned English and Arabic and then later on it was oh, English in English. I so see. here like I'm in the class and um, the teacher speaking German to me yeah. and I, I have no clue what she's saying. Yeah. And because I, I, I discovered this recently, because I speak English fluently, I was not sent to study German from scratch. Oh. Okay. And I didn't know this, uh, but wow. because I speak, because I remember I did a placement test, uh, and of course I did terribly, and I thought I would start from scratch. So I went to the class, and half of the class already speaks German. And you're like, uh, where the hell am I? <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was really confused uh, yeah. because it was a one level, which is a beginner level. So yeah. I thought, okay, maybe I, I, I should be, this is the right place. Why half of the students are speaking German here? Yeah. Um, so then I realized because I speak English fluently, I'm sort of not eligible to start from scratch, mm -hmm. um, which is, it was not fair to me because, you know, I was in the class learning nothing and, you know, getting pressure, pressure and stress. I remember I was going to my, my first program, I was like a zombie because I thought I, I have to go, I have no option. If I didn't go, uh, the job center will cut my monthly salary, it, uh, like there will be uh, consequences. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to deal with, with these consequences and I don't want to show them that I'm like, you know, taking advantage of the system, a useless person and all of that. So I thought I'll just, Abdullah, I'm just telling, like talking to myself, Abdullah, just go and learn as much as you can. There is nothing you can do at the moment. Mm -hmm. And But apparently, actually, I could go to the job center at that time and tell them it's very difficult for me to learn, kind of switch to a lower, a lower level. But I didn't know. And now, of course, it's too late uh, uh. to do that. Um, my, my second program was a little bit better uh, our, because the first uh, group, we were 25 students. Um, the second group, we were 10 students. So it mm. was perfect. The teacher has more time. And luckily, also, the teacher speaks little English. So when she has time to explain some stuff to me in English, and she, she had very interesting technique in teaching the language, and she would use color code. Oh, so, cool. So when, when it's a verb, we always highlight it with green. If it's yeah. an acquisitive, we always highlight it with red. I so like now that. When I, when I see a sentence, uh, I see colors. Uh, and it That's helps me so sort cool. of to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, most of the students were like uh, complaining. She said, we're not kids. Why are you doing this? And for me, I think because I'm an artist as well and I'm very visual. Yeah. For true. me, it was perfect. But unfortunately, it was only 300 hours program, and it was not enough for me to understand uh, very well. I did improve, especially my speaking. I got a B1, uh, but my writing was terrible, uh, and my listening and reading was still not uh, up to the required level. That's why I'm mm -hmm. again in another program. Okay, so was speaking yeah. speaking was your strongest area? As, uh, uh, at the moment, yes, and yeah. I, I believe because of uh, uh, I don't have very strong accent when I speak, so people usually cannot tell 
that I come from the Arab world and they're confused. Uh, so yeah. when I when I speak when I speak English or and switch to German, people yeah. say my pronunciation is very good because usually I tell them, "Excuse me, I don't speak German very well," but I say it I say it very well. They yeah. they said, "Oh, you speak perfectly. Come on," <laughs> and then I get stuck. You're like, uh, wait. <laughs> Wait, stop. It's like, wait, stop wait, wait, pressuring wait. me. It's like, wait, wait, let me prove you wrong in a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. yeah. And, you know, uh, of course, also, uh, I live in a small town, um, and they have also their own dialect when it comes to German. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's also uh, complicated. So when you go in the street, uh, I noticed with all the generation when they speak German, I understand nothing. Mm-hmm. But when I, I hear young, young generation, younger generation, when they speak among themselves, I can pick up some words, and then I understand the context. Uh, so I'm, I'm at, at that level with I would understand the context, um, but it, it'll be very hard for me to have a conversation. Or, for example, one of the things that really makes me angry when I'm racially profiled. Uh, and I want to defend myself because I know the laws, but I can't. So I just keep quiet. Mm. Uh, and it doesn't happen a lot, but it happened a few times. What ha- and, what's happened before? Um, well, if you uh, want to talk about it, if you don't. Yeah, I, of course. Um, uh, usually, uh, like when I go in the uh, in the train, I'm the only one asked for their ticket. Oh. And in one one occasion, I I was not only asked for my ticket, I was also asked for my ID card. Oh. Uh, and I noticed uh, uh, what's the person called? Uh, the person who was checking the ticket mm-hmm. when he was going to other uh, other passengers, he only asked. Uh, she only asked for the tickets. She didn't ask for their ID card. Wow. Only for me. Yeah, and I remember she was speaking English, so I asked, "Why you're asking for my ID card?" She said, "I want to see the name matches the ticket." I said, "Hmm, interesting." Hmm, and why not everyone ar- else? I, I didn't argue uh, because I was I was like in an eight-hour strip mm-hmm. uh, by train, and I didn't want to be to have an argument. And then in the next station, there'll be police waiting for me and escort me outside the train. Yeah. Because that they will do. I, I don't know what will they do with me, but I I, I saw it happen in a few occasions, like with the, some arguments with a passenger, and oh. then the next station, the train will wait for the police to come in and escort this passenger oh my out. Oh God! Um, so, and it happened also. There is a, a, one of I think one of the main clubs uh, in this in the city. Uh, it's owned by a gay person. Mm-hmm. But it's, a, it's not a gay club, but they do have uh, a gay party once a month. Oh, cool. Mm. Okay. Um, so I go there every now and then. Yeah. Um, and uh, in three occasions, uh, I was stopped. And the, the security would make it difficult for me to enter. So they would say, uh, like, they would, like, I showed them my ID card. And then one time said, no, we need also your passport. What? And uh, like, yeah. why is my ID not sufficient? I was, I, was, I was confused why my ID is not enough. It's a German ID card. It's just a club. What the hell? Yeah. And um, 
I was really confused. At that time, I had uh, an American guy was entering with me, and he speaks German. So he spoke with them, uh, and sort of because I had a white guy with me, we went in. Yeah. So I thought I will ignore it this time. And then it happened a second time. Uh, also, they made it difficult for me. The third time, it was so clear uh, because I was with, uh, with two Arabs uh, uh, with me, one from Syria and one from Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Uh, both are fair with, with their complexion. I am the dark one with a beard. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I remember... Uh, the Lebanese, uh, Lebanese uh, guy, uh, like the, the security is uh, asking for their ID, and they ah, like, leave me alone. And they just went in. And the security ignored them. They didn't say anything. I was shocked. Wow. Um, so I wanted to go in. They, they stopped me, said, no, we went to see. I mean, both of them went in, no questions. But for me, I was stopped. Oh. Stopped. <sighs> yeah. And then I realized it's because of the color of my skin. And also, I don't look gay enough for them. Mm. Uh, uh, so they, yeah. We, uh, we actually had that same <laughs> problem happen a lot in Houston a while ago with a lot of the gay clubs. They would let the, the white boys in, but if there was anyone who was black or too brown, they would ask for ID or say they're full mm. or something. It was yeah. always an excuse. And yeah. after... And- after there was a big stink made about it, they finally changed, but it went on for years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I have very thick, uh, at that time now, my, my beard, I, I've trimmed my beard recently. I saw. <laughs> I, I have, I, ha- I didn't trim my beard because of the club. I actually trimmed my beard to take a picture for a CV, for my CV oh, and update my, okay. my link, LinkedIn profile. Yeah. To to get to get more chances of, of employment because if I take a picture with my regular beard, which is really long mm-hmm. and dark, I thought maybe people will think twice. Oh wow! I didn't realize. Uh, I just saw the. I saw that you had done that. I saw your picture and I was like, whoa! I don't know. I think you're. I think. <laughs> to be fair, I think your beard is fucking awesome. Yeah, your beard I, is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. And, oh, and I'm, I'm just gonna say, sad if, that you had, you felt like you had. If you, to do if it if you came to some of the gay clubs here uh, with that beard, I think you would be the belle of the ball. Oh yeah, you would. Yeah, you would be uh, very popular. <laughs> oh, you know, I thought I thought that would be the uh, the case, but uh, here in my city, I'm not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they don't appreciate the art of a beard. <laughs> Of a very solid beard. I am, I pity them and I'm a little jealous. <laughs> They're missing out. <laughs> they, they, they are, yes, they are missing out. Um, and uh, I, I think also um, uh, uh, because of, you know, what everything I went through, I'm, I'm not sure, but I have this feeling because I, I like, I, I, sometimes I talk to myself, why am I not making f- friends as easy as before? Because in, in Oman, uh, like I was the guy who is, uh, if not a friend, is like in good terms with almost everyone. Mm-hmm. So when like one of my friends went to organize party, he asked me to invite people because yeah. people would come, would come for me because they trust me, they know Abdullah is nice, trustworthy and all of that. And 
maybe because of what I went all through all of that, maybe now my energy is a bit different. So maybe people don't see me as friendly. And you've had uh, to have a defense mechanism um, yeah. because of like all the pressure people are putting on you and uh, kind of unfair expectations people have had of you. So that's probably yeah. created a wall in a sense. Like you said, you shut down sometimes because you're just yeah. like, I don't, it's just so exhausting yeah. all the time. And it might be also a getting older thing. Like I used to be a lot more social than I am now. And I used to make friends very easily. But now it's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's everything together. But it yeah. sounds like, I, yeah. I don't know. I just, it sounds like people are really both putting pressure on you. But then like when it comes to taking your, you seriously and your experience seriously, like people aren't seeing that. And that has mm. to be really frustrating, frustrating, like time and time again. And it probably gets exhausting having to like explain yourself or prove yourself or whatever, you know, whatever else. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I agree with with uh, with Ali. Uh, I think also uh, age plays also a huge role. I'm, uh, I see myself, uh, I'm not as patient as I used to. Mm -hmm. uh with, with people and i became more reserved as well um and like with 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 uh like finding guys my age in in the city i mean that i can relate and connect with it's uh actually yeah. never happened like my my best two friends now uh my friend from syria he's 10 years younger than me and uh, my other uh, best friend who's German, he is uh, 10 years older than me. Like I would like to find people my age as well. Uh, and I, I've tried, uh, as I said before, like I went to some like groups and meetings, but yeah. people don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. And I think they feel as self-conscious as me when I speak German, when they speak English. Probably. Um, so maybe that's why, because I speak it fluently, so they just, Okay, there is no chance for us to speak English with this guy. Oh, we'll just maybe. Uh, stay, stay away. Um, I was talking about this with, with someone I was chatting online with, a German guy, and he pointed something interesting that I didn't think of, and it, that also might be true. And uh, he, he, said, he said it might be that a lot of people, because of German history, uh, especially with, with, uh, with the Nazis, um, people are very afraid to offend someone. So they prefer to stay away. Uh, they stay friendly, but prefer not to interact so they will not offend someone else. Oh, interesting. And come across uh, as racist or you know, prejudiced or something like that. Um, huh. And that also might be true because you know uh, the Nazi history is taught uh, in schools here. It's, um, yeah. and uh, so yeah, Every single German person knows the history uh, about the Nazis. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's that's also another reason why they maybe try to stay away so they will not offend or something. I don't oh, know. I that's interesting. I never thought of that either. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you said you're an artist, by the way. So what kind of like what's your medium? What's your main medium, uh, I guess? Main medium is uh, uh, acrylic on canvas and oh, yeah. 
I, I, I draw uh, abstract. Um, I'm, I'm a self-taught artist, and uh, it happened accidentally um, uh, in, in Oman. I started uh, early 2014. Oh. Um, yeah, I started uh, that year, uh, or maybe end of 2013. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure at the moment. And uh, a, a friend of mine who's an artist um, started uh, uh, an art retreat uh, where oh, you fun. go paint uh, for a, like half day, almost, yeah, over a half day. We start in the morning and we finish uh, like uh, in the afternoon. And um, uh, the, the idea of the retreat is for you to explore uh, yourself uh, through art. It sounds like art therapy. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Beautiful. Um, so I, uh, he was always inviting me and was like a bit like self-conscious because like I never saw myself an artist, although I worked in a museum and I was surrounded by art and artists all the time. And so it like, I cannot be an artist, like I can go paint. I didn't study or anything. And he was like, come on, you don't have to be artist. Everybody is welcome. Love so eventually it. I, eventually I went, yeah, uh, a star was born. <laughs> Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> Hell yeah, Star was born. Y'all, actually, people people listening, like, um, we posted one of Abdullah's pieces. It's um, it's the second half of the Arabic episode with Abdullah. So it's um, on, like, Instagram yeah. and everything. So that was, was that acrylic on canvas? It was acrylic on canvas, okay. yes. Yeah, it's yes. beautiful. I loved the textures. Thank the you. The texturing, it's beautiful it's um like mahogany like red very warm colors and very beautiful so yeah I, I i love i love to use a lot of colors um yeah so yeah i started then and um people like uh, a lot of the participants at that retreat were artists and they were very impressed by uh, my work and even even my friend who invited me uh, he was very impressed. He didn't like. He didn't expect that I would go through that level because you start painting. You start the day with meditation, and then a theme uh, is discussed of of the day, and then you play. Uh, sorry, you paint uh, with music played that's selected for that particular theme. Beautiful. So I went Sounds through like the fun. process through the day and like painting and doodling and doing everything and then uh, the results everybody loved the results i mean i like it. it's my first painting and uh, it was exhibited um i think three times wow what um, is oh my gosh i want to see this uh it was exhibited in the american ambassador's uh, house what? Uh, <laughs> Yes. Let me see. Yes. Yes. Can we please see it? Uh, I will. I will. I will look for it and send it to you guys uh, later oh my on. God, I'm so impressed. I guess this this uh, was waiting to come out of you. I, like... Yes. Um, it. Uh, I mean, the, the painting has a special meaning to me as well because. Um, um, I started painting, I mean, um, I, I worked in a museum in Oman for about four, five years. Nice. And um, the museum director, who was also my boss, uh, she's an amazing artist from the UK and been living in Oman for a long time. Mm. 
and we were very good close friends and uh, and it was great because she knows I'm gay and she knew my boyfriend at the time awesome uh, so you know she was you know very friendly and ex- accepting of, of uh, in, in that sense um, and unfortunately she passed away Aww, I'm so sorry Wow. And um, it was it was really hard. Uh, I actually eventually left the museum. I couldn't live uh, work there anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the management changed a little bit, and I couldn't deal with the changes. And I guess her death uh, was very hard on me. Yeah. And so I did this painting after she passed away, and I called. Um, uh, maybe it will be difficult for people to see it, but for some reason, a face. Accidentally, a face emerged from the painting, the painting I did, and it looks like her. Oh, my God. Uh, although I'm not a very spiritual person, I used to be. I'm not at the moment. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I'm more of an atheist. So, but it, it was a very strange experience because, I mean, I, I was like, I was just painting through the day and then I was finished. And then the, uh, one of the participants came to me, Abdullah, look, there's a face come back here and then I went back and then I could see the face and someone else came who also knows uh, my friend uh, we are actually it's our friend as well Sarah mm-hmm. I said Abdullah it is Sarah and yeah wow. it was yeah it looked it looked like Sarah I didn't I didn't realize but it looked like Sarah I mean now when I see the painting I see her face and I actually called the painting Sarah as well Aww. oh my god yeah. I, it's amazing this what's what is lying in our subconscious um, and how it yes. comes out um, yeah wow please so, find yeah, that... it let us see it <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my first painting and uh and then i became addicted to this art retreat because it, it was just so amazing to express myself through color and like do stuff and i was in a um a free judgment zone um, and it was I was encouraged by everybody because at the end of the the, the retreat we would uh, discuss our paintings and, and what they mean to us, and we became very close. Some people become really like very relaxed, and they would open up as well. I remember this um, Omani girl who was a teenager. She opened up about her rape being raped. Wow! And and I, I was shocked because. Although, I, like, I know raping happens, but right. for someone uh, who is uh, covered religious to open up, uh, you know, in front of strangers, she really trusts us to to share this information. So I was really, although it was very sad uh, story and experience, but I was honored and humbled that she shared that uh, and trust us enough to share that experience. So... It's one of the things most, like, I, I really, really miss the art retreat. How often and is it? It usually happens once, sometimes once a month. Oh, pretty often. Okay, that's good. And I, I would I would go uh, once, and if it's twice, I would go even twice. It cost me a lot of money, but oh. I had a good job, and yeah. I didn't mind because it was just... Uh, a, a great outlet for me to to get all these feelings and to discuss you know what we go through as adults yeah. um, sometimes it's difficult when we have um, kids sometimes we do have kids so we have to be careful what we we share 
in in the session. Yeah. Um, so was that held in Muscat or? In, it it wasn't. It held in Muscat. We actually had uh, participants uh, came all the way from Qatar, uh, Bahrain. Oh. Uh, I think also even Saudi Arabia, wow. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, because uh, the the founder of this retreat uh, has a huge follower on Instagram, and he promote he really works really hard in promoting uh, the retreat. So we got yeah we got some visitors who came specifically for the retreat. Oh, amazing! And yeah, yeah. being being in a judgment free zone is the most powerful feeling. And yes. I, I mean, we recently were at a festival that called Yellow Punk, and it was just like one of these places where you just feel at home. You don't have to explain yourself. And it was just so powerful beyond what I ever imagined I needed because you mm -hmm. don't I don't think you real like it's easy to not realize how much we need that space until we have it. And then we realize this is what I've been missing. <laughs> It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is what it feels like to belong somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I went to um, a workshop um, um, that concerned uh, activists in the, mid the Middle East, uh, MENA region, and I met uh -huh. other activists uh, almost from all Arab countries. Wow. Um, and it was amazing space, and uh, we stayed for about two weeks. And mm. you know, for us to go back to our countries where we are not protected by law or even acknowledged, it was really, really hard. And um, I mean, we uh, all of us we became great friends. We are still in touch on social media. Um, some of them uh, happen to be here in Germany. Uh, I met some of them. Oh, and awesome. some uh, in France. Um, and it was really great experience because it was like uh, as the art, like the art retreat. It was a, a free uh, uh, free judgment zone and mm -hmm. it was also other activists. And we could see a lot of similarities as well um, uh, in terms of our struggles or our uh, uh, the LGBT community. Um, yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you thought about starting an art retreat like that in Germany? Yes and no. Mm -hmm. um, when 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 I came, I, I thought if I got involved in activities, uh, you know, I would uh, sort of, I don't like to use this word, but integrate, uh, uh -huh. in, in 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 Germany and show that you know I am a valid person and I'm productive and you know all of that. Yeah. But then I noticed I was actually running away from facing my reality. Mm -hmm. um, and the reality is I'm struggling to learn the language. I've been disowned, my of my, uh, disowned by my family. I've lost my career and the future I planned in Oman. It, it's really funny. Uh, just recently, it started to bother me. I've actually lost all my retirement money in Oman, oh. uh, which is uh, like worth of like 10 years. Oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh my God. That's another, just another layer to all of I was like, because now uh, I don't have retirement money. Yeah. I'm not working. Right. And you know, I'm 37. So when I start working, I'll start saving for my retirement. Like starting over, yeah. Exactly. Oh my God. 
so, um, you know, so what were like what was your field i guess like what was your field in oman in in oman uh, um i i worked uh, mainly in uh, business administration and human resources oh mm. okay okay and that's also what i've studied uh, in oman because of you know um of, of my talent in terms of communication and public relation and you know me speaking english fluently i i uh, was promoted and i went uh, actually into different direction uh, and then eventually i ended up uh, in a museum uh, where i would uh, w- with a team we would organize events art events uh, painting music uh, we would uh, manage exhibitions we promote them I would do interviews. I was the public face of the museum in radio and TV and in newspapers. Whoa. And I would do I would do interviews either Arabic or English. I was one of the main MCs uh, in the museum as well. And uh, the museum founder, like uh, he's one of the richest uh, men uh, in Oman. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have they have like over sixty companies owned by them by by his family. So sometimes wow. they have these uh, like official events where they need an MC, and he would select me. Wow! Uh, I can see because... why you're you're awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, so I would I would do that, and um, and in the museum it was, it was my favorite job because in the museum, <clears throat> excuse me, we were a small team uh, of around twenty five people. Yeah. And uh, the museum, like uh, every year, we would have over eighty guests, eighty thousand guests. Eighty thousand. Eighty thousand guests Holy every crap. year. Uh, and we, because the museum is one of the best uh, private museum uh, in Oman, it's a private-based collection museum, and it gives you sort of um, a short version of the whole country. So if you're coming for a short trip, especially the cruise, because the museum was uh, in uh, in Muscat uh, like uh, itself, where Muscat started, the capital, uh, near near the port. So we got all these cruise ships that come. Whoa, cool! So, so it was perfect. You know, they come, they get the short trip, and they leave. Yeah. And all the ministries uh, in Oman, or government, or even companies, when they have their own visitors and guests. They would bring them the museum as well. So sometimes I would give them uh, a private tour, and I would do it either in Arabic and English. And like I got a letter from the German ambassador once, you know, uh, thanking me for for the tour I gave. Oh uh, I got a, le- a letter from the French embassy. Um, I was selected to take Prince. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, P- Prince Harry's uncle. Oh, oh uh, uh, what's... Richard's brother. I can't, I can't remember keep... his name. I can't. I can't keep track of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I always forget his name. Uh, he's, yeah. He's There's a lot Richard. of people. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, Prince, a uh, younger, younger brother of uh, Prince Richard. Uh, he he came to Oman for a visit and came to the museum, and I was selected uh, oh to give give him the tour. Yes. Was um, he cool? How? What was he like? Was he cool? He was very cool, very friendly, yeah. um, nice. and you know, very approachable oh, uh, as well. Awesome. I, I, I was so scared, uh, of course. Like, yeah. This is a ro- yeah. this is a royal, and not, royalty. Not, not, like, how not do any I kind deal of royal. with the royal? Yeah. 
How do I talk and, to one of them? And you know, <laughs> like uh, there were cameras and like people from both sides, like uh, the owner's son uh, was there. So I have to impress like everybody. Oh my god! Um, no pressure. And no pressure. <laughs> no. And um, one of the times, I'm uh, now. This is now. I'm literally bragging. Uh, this next. <laughs> you semifinal. should. You should brag. You've done some really cool shit. So you deserve uh, to brag. Um, uh, one time, uh, it was a weekend, so I was home. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I was up, uh, and then I got call uh, from Sarah. And Sarah Abdullah, we have a VIP guests coming to the museum. Can you come? Uh, His Excellency called, and he wants you to take His these VIP Excellency. guests. Oh my God. Because the, the founder of the museum is used to be a minister, yeah. and also he is, um, what's the word? Um, a consultant to the Sultan. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Uh, like an advisor. Ad, uh, advisor, thank you. Okay, okay. He's yeah. he's a, he's uh, one of the main advisor, and he is, uh, I think, one of the Sultan's best friend as well, because actually they grow up together as children. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, so yes, so Sarah called me and she said, Abdullah, His Excellency called, and he wants you to take his VIP guests. So okay, I went, and these VIP guests actually were the Sultan's VIP guests. Whoa. So. I took them in a tour around the museum. I was selected. Uh, and so, yeah, this is the end of my me bragging. I love, <laughs> I love it. And that's such a wonderful um, atmosphere, I bet, to work in. Like, uh, yes, it's, it art, was my best, like, yeah. Just full, yeah, just being around creative people or people who appreciate creativity. Like, that's... Yes. And, being, and you... Really energizing. And you were very trusted. Like everyone, yeah. look, I bet everyone looked up to you there. Right. Yes, uh, I, I, um, I, I made, I mean, my colleagues and I, we became very close. Uh, they were a bit scared of me because I was senior as well. And uh, they also, they don't want to see my ugly face. Oh my because... God, whatever. <laughs> Shut up. Because... Shut up, don't say that. <laughs> no, the, the, reason, the reason is uh, when there is a disciplinary uh, needed uh-huh. uh, uh, toward any, any staff, I was the one p- uh, put uh, in front. Oh, and oh God. The, so, you know, I ha- it was my job, I have to do it. So I, uh, I'm, I'm very professional. So like, you know, I, and I follow the law. So the first time it's a, a warning, you know, we noticed this, uh, we needed to improve. Is there something we can do to help you to improve? I know all of, all of this, you know, I'm, I'm very good at this. So it's fine. First time is go. when it happens the second time, then they see my ugly face. <laughs> and it is, it is really scary because I'm, in, in general, I'm very friendly and approachable. Yeah. But when, when my angry face comes up, people are really scared of, of me. Oh my god. And, <laughs> and, and my, my my colleagues who, who saw my ugly face before, they actually would use me to scare the other junior staff. <laughs> oh my staff. god. <laughs> Why do they keep using your face? God. They would they would say uh, they would like, they would tell them if you don't behave or improve, we will tell Abdullah. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> god damn, don't mess up. Don't mess so, with Abdullah. Don't, don't mess with Abdullah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't know that. I was just doing my job. 
and also I wanted to because I was I was responsible because I have also other uh, senior managers that I report to. So I also have to show them that I was doing my job. Uh, so apparently I was, and um, yeah, I mean, oh uh, yeah, it was the best job I ever had because even yeah. like with my ugly face that people scared of, <laughs> uh, I, I had a very very good relationship with most most of the staff, yeah. and 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 the founder himself and his family. Uh, but eventually. Uh, um, you know, after uh, Sarah's death and uh, the management changed a little bit, I didn't like how things were working out, and um, I decided to to move on and yeah. move forward. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, sounds like it just the atmosphere changed after that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, oh, I guess it's time to wrap it up. Wow, that hour <laughs> went like that hour felt like two minutes to me. Yeah. This has been, you're so easy to talk to, and um, I feel like we've known each other for a long time, and it just felt really natural, so. You should, uh, maybe one day we'll come visit and we'll all have tea together or something. Yes, yeah. I, I would love that. I would love uh, to, I want Ellie and me to visit Germany together. Okay. Oh, that was uh, easy. You are very welcome. I mean, my, my city is small, but it has, it has its beauty as well. Yeah, uh, well, it has in, you. Uh, well, yeah, uh, of course. There's the beauty. Yeah. Oh, stop it! Uh, stop it! <laughs> Deal with it. I mean, <laughs> it's it's called in English uh, "city of bridges." Oh, oh cool. That's that's what yeah. uh, Zabrukin means. Oh, city Zabruken. of bridges. Okay. Zabrukin, yeah. Oh. Uh, so it's 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 a nice city. I mean, um, it's it's um, it's a small city that offers what large large cities uh, have. I would say, yeah, in 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 a in a like a smaller size, so it is nice in that way. Oh, I like that. I like the sound yeah. of it. Well, yeah. Plus, it has you. Well, yeah, that's the main. Oh. <laughs> Abdullah's oh, like, well, I, stop I, it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll stop it. I'll stop it. I, I can pile it on worse. You have basically two lesbians in love who are gushing about how beautiful you are. <laughs> oh. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I'm, I'm blushing. Oh, my God. I guess we just have to visit after this. Yeah. <laughs> we need to see to that beard. We need to see that beard in person, okay? Yes, I, I hope it will be that long. Uh, I, you know, by the way, you can stay with me. I have extra bed, and I also oh. have, a, a, I have an air mattress, oh, but we just, we just have to share the toilet, if you don't mind. Oh my God! I, I, you're so generous. Yes, uh, I know. We, we are, we are in this together. Yeah, and you're always welcome to visit us wherever we end up in the U.S. Like anywhere, hang out. Or... All right. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, where can they reach you? Like. Yeah, if the... people want to contact you, do you want? Do you want to give them a way to contact you directly or? through us um, or whatever would be easier uh i love social media very much yeah and you know i love to be center of attention as maybe you could could tell <laughs> um uh, the only thing is uh, i noticed with social social media uh, sort of makes me uh, not concentrating on my studies mm -hmm. uh. so i have i have at the moment deactivated everything 
Okay. That's fair. That's fair. And uh, hopefully after I finish my course, so maybe in February, I'll be back on social media. Okay. But the, at the moment, I'm only reachable, I guess, by email. Okay. Um, but I, I, only if someone asks for it personally, I mean, I don't mind for it awesome. to be shared. If someone needs some information on like the, the asylum procedure for the LGBT community in Germany or awesome. the life in Germany, I'm happy to provide any information I have. Okay. So they can Great. email us and we'll forward it to you? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. So if anyone listening wants to get in touch with Abdullah, um, let us know and we will convey the message. So we'll connect you. Okay. Um, so where can people reach us? So to email us, everyone, go to thequeerarabs at gmail.com. Um, you can find this episode and, well, if you're listening, you know that you can find this episode on our website, thequeerarabs.com. You can also find it on iTunes and all those other podcast apps. We're still trying to get on Spotify. I can't figure it out. Yeah. We're, but everything else we're on pretty much. And please rate and review us on iTunes, um, preferably five stars. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. but no, no influencing, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. No bias, no bias. So right. um, thank you, Abdullah. It was uh, such an honor to have you on. And I really appreciate you being on both sides of the podcast. So uh, Thank you, Ali. And thank you, uh, Ali, for, for your time and giving me uh, this platform uh, to share my story. Absolutely. We're so glad to be connected. So, all right. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.